five, four, three, two, one. Apart from loving my creativity jam, uh, my self-motivation skills, inspiration and all of that, I also love to communicate with different people, to get to know different personalities, to be around humanitarian activities. And today on this episode of The Journaling Culture, we have Romana Sides, a German journalist who lives here in Tanzania for now, Mwanza that is. And um, I'm telling you this, today's episode is going to be educational and very, very informative. So stay there because this is another episode of Self-Conference with Lizana Kafua. It's Lizana Kafua on Self-Conference. Hello, Ramona. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Self-Conference with Lizana Kafua. First of all, thank you so much um, for having me, for your invitation. It's such an honor to, to be here. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Ramona Seitz. I'm a freelance journalist from Germany, uh, currently in Mwanza. Um, I'm 40 years old. Um, I returned to university for, in German we say second studies, <laughs> for another um, yeah, university um, education. My first degree is in business administration and I used to work for a bank for eight years, but that was kind of in another life. <laughs> But even before that, I had started um, in journalism. I had always wanted to become a journalist, but um, well, 20 years ago, when I started um, in an, um, with an internship at, um, at a regional newspaper in Germany and um, in the holidays of my first studies, which funny enough are kind of what I'm now studying as second studies, well, then the situation back then was very difficult in journalism in Germany and in probably many countries, and it still is. And um, back then I earned, I think it was eight cents, um, euro, euro cent per line, and uh, you could simply not survive on that. So my family convinced me that it is re reasonable to study something else and uh, so I went that reasonable way and I followed it and it was okay. Um, but then at the end of my 20s, life changed. I'm divorced and um, now and back then, um, yeah, we, we split up. And uh, so I, I asked myself, what do I really want? And um, as the other plans in life had not worked out, the family plans, um, I decided to follow my passion as for what I want to work um, in, the field I want to work in. And um, yes, I also returned to university and um, I started in the bachelor's studies, media and cultural studies at the University of Freiburg, Germany. And meanwhile, I'm in the master's um, studies there, media 
and cultural research. Right now I'm taking a year off um, and I've done that all the time like uh, studying and then working again because I didn't want to completely stop working. Um, yes. How to introduce myself more? Well, I, I do slow journalism. Some people also call it deep journalism, which means I, I really dive deep into topics. I research for a very long time, sometimes for years. Um, to give you an example, um, in 2016, I started here in Mwanza um, to a, a journalistic research from the first day on solutions journalism based about the situation of persons with albinism. Because back then, um, in European newspapers, in European media, you could read a lot about the terrible atrocities against persons with albinism, the killings. And um, yes, so me too, I reported about that, but I also um, reported about um, success stories of um, inclusion. Um, yes, so I tried to, to look at both sides, which is also my understanding of um, how to do solutions journalism. It's not just to tell a fairy tale, everything is happy story. It is really to look at the dark sides, but also to shine a light on what is good. Yes. Um, also, I'm doing a, a long-term research in Tanzania and Germany about the colonial legacy of our both countries. And um, of course, the role Germany played during the colonial rule of Germany in, at that time, so-called German East Africa is a very underreported topic still. In my country, in Germany, people still believe that um, well, the German colonialism was a short period, that is somehow true, but that because of that it was not brutal, it was... Um, the Germans built infrastructure and they brought education, which is of course a totally wrong picture. Of course you can't deny they built the railway here in Tanzania, but why did they do so? Of course it was about transporting things away and um, from plantations or raw materials or whatever. Yes, um, and uh, sadly in Germany not, not enough is known about um, how many people died during the German colonial rule. For example in Madi Madi war or even in the first world war here. Yeah, so um, I try to report on that but also here um, I try to do balanced reporting like um, to, to look on to, to interview various um, protagonists and to um, to transport different perspectives and I really fight for including Tanzanian journalists into the debate also in Europe um, and uh, to close the introduction now um, I am a freelancer, but I have al I always work in teams, and um, I also try to, as as you can see on my social media, and um, we've spoken about it, to say their names, to write their names, because it is still too often that um, a white journalist comes in from somewhere, 
Um, of course, this journalist depends on people on the ground and after a few days the journalist leaves again and only his or her name is written in the newspaper. So the difference is I am longer in the country. I do live in, in Germany, but um, I'm now here for 2.5 months and uh, I will come back for three months starting June. Yeah, so, and I come back again and again and uh, yeah, I I work together with Tanzanian journalists. Ramona, I know you, you're a journalist who is dedicated uh, to different social and cultural issues. And you have picked interest in African history and culture as well. I would really, really love to know um, why the interest with African history and culture and why Tanzania? Um, that's a very good question. First of all, um, you're asking about African culture and history and why Tanzania and um, then uh, I will start here and come back to the different social and cultural issues and uh, later. Um, well, Africa is such a huge continent, so um, I'm of course very much interested, but of course I don't know enough. So um, I specialized very much on Tanzania and or let's say East Africa. Um, because this is where I have been often and this is where I know what I'm talking about or writing about. But um, you can hear it, I'm a bit hesitating because um, even if, you, if we just look at Tanzania at um, more than 100 ethnicities, so of course I don't know all of them and um, yeah, so it's a constant learning process and um, why the history of Tanzania, that is also, um, for example, different than Kenya. Um, Tanzania has, or the mainland of Tanzania has this um, joint history with, with Germany um, um, due to Germany's colonial rule here from 1885 to 1980 in the so-called um, German East Africa back then. And uh, I was looking for also a topic, or among my topics, I was looking for a topic that I can also work on when in Germany. Because, of course, when we look at topics such as cultural belongings looted um, during colonialism, or at the very sad topic of human remains, ancestor remains that were brought from here, from Tanzania, or from the mainland, um, which at that time, of course, was not yet even Tanganyika, but from what is now Tanzania's mainland, to Germany for, we have to say it, for racist research. Um, and um, yes, many of, or almost all of those human remains are still in German collections, and it is a very dark and sad topic. Um, the only good news here is that things are moving. Um, Germany wants to give back, and but it's complicated because um, 
I have also now spoken to several um, chiefs or elders of um, ethnic groups here in Tanzania that are that for a long time have been asking or demanding restitution of, for example, here in Mwanza, the, the skull of Chief Cheng, or as for the Wachaga, the skull of Mangimeli. And there the it is very complicated because from how I understand it, um, most of the skulls that are, will be given back soon come from grave robberies, which is also a very sad topic, but those are not exactly the skulls um, the families are looking for and it is it turns out to be very complicated to find the skulls um, I've heard or I've read yeah, last year that it was that um, one uh, skull was, could be traced in a museum in New York so um, yeah it's a long way but it is something I want to write about and I want to write about it in both countries um, in, here in Tanzania, for a Tanzanian audience, but also in, in Europe. What was the first? Ah, now I remember the first question. Yes. Um, oh, no. Let me first say why Tanzania. Well, um, I've always been interested in um, this um, history and um, in, in, in this country. But it was also a coincidence. Um, a relative came here <laughs> and then I spent my holidays here in 2013. I, I had already known that there is a sister city partnership between Mwanza and um, the German city of Würzburg. And uh, yeah, so um, meanwhile, I'm a member of a small NGO which supports um, Mwanza Würzburg, but not the twinning between the cities, more the relations between people um, from both um, cities. And in 2015 and 16, together with two friends, I had the opportunity to do a documentary about 50 years of sister city partnership between Mwanza and Würzburg. So that was really an intense time. We traveled a lot both here in Mwanza and in Würzburg. We learned a lot about the very long and uh, strong ties between the cities. We learned about various topics that were that um, where these relations exist from the medical field to climate partnership. The two cities were among the first. Um, in German, we say kommunale Partnerschaften, um, sister cities that had a climate partnership so it was kind of a oh there are some pilot projects here yeah but also other um other topics also colonial legacy when when we look at the renovation of Mwanzabuma Gunzert house to name just a few topics and um, as you ask for the social issues, yes, human rights has been something I've always been interested in. And um, even when I worked at the bank, I was very much into women's rights. We, I, I was very lucky. I, I had a woman as my boss, as my superior. Um, I worked in wealth management of a cooperative bank, and um, I had a very strong woman as my. Um, yeah, as my boss, but also a role model. And this woman, she had 
before I came to the bank, um, founded a group called, um, when I translate, Women Power. And uh, yeah, every year we had some events for women. And uh, yeah, so I, that was something very special because this woman was not only my boss and uh, leading the wealth management, she, she also had a position in this cooperative bank. Um, yeah, and back in the times when not many women were in leading um, roles, that was something which really made an impact on me. I would say, or that's how I see it, maybe I would also have or maybe I was already before interest, or I was already before interested in women's rights. But uh, of course, eight years under a woman as your boss—that um, that makes an impact, and that is also that shows you also what is possible. Okay, um, so of course she was not the boss of the bank; she was um, just um, of wealth management. But that not many banks had um, a woman in that role back then. Well, and as for human rights, um, yeah, I mean, we are all human beings. We should all have the same rights. I was lucky to grow up in a time in Germany when Germany was already a 100% democracy with an, as I see it, amazing constitution, Grundgesetz. Um, so the human rights are guaranteed in Germany and uh, even the freedom of press, everything, freedom of press has a big role there from the task of informing the public to also holding power to account the critique and control function of the press. So that is something which has, of course, which is very important. But also, you know, in, in history lessons, of course, we, learn, we learned a lot in Germany about um, the crimes that our country had committed during National Socialism in the Second World War with when we talk about yeah Holocaust, Shoah that is a lot we, something we learned a lot about and um, of course that makes an impact and sadly we did not learn when I was a child at school enough about colonialism looking back I sometimes think maybe this is a result because the four powers who won the Second World War, they all had their issues with colonialism. I mean, look at them. <laughs> United Kingdom, France, USA, Russia, our Soviet Union. So, and um, I'm no expert in that, but I think um, that is my personal opinion. I think that that still you can see in what is taught in German schools, what they wanted to have seen. and. Uh, Slowly, slowly, things are changing, luckily. Yeah, so that's where the interest comes from. And as for the albinism research, which I have been become kind of an expert together with Tanzanian journalist Vikinta Tema, who, of course, I have to say on every journalist in this world writing on the um, plight of persons with albinism in Tanzania and other African countries, because it's not just in Tanzania where these crimes are happening or have happened and are sad enough still happening. Um, we stand on the shoulders of Vicky Ntetema, who as, a, as an at that, at that time BBC journalist went undercover in Tanzania's witchcraft um, systems, fully wired, and then she reported and um, yeah, 
and uh, everything else is history. But it, in my case, it was coincidence because I, um, when we were filming for that documentary about 50 years of Mwanza and the German city of Würzburg being sister cities, we also filmed at a school here in Mwanza in 2016. And uh, one boy with albinism was there and he was so perfectly well integrated. He was just a normal schoolboy there. He was happy. And that was something which um, I, I was so happy to see. And uh, it was so different to what was reported in German and international media at the time. So I asked the headmaster if it's possible to meet with the family of the child. And um, it was possible. We were sitting together some days later in, in a yeah, in a circle at the school hall. The headmaster, the teacher, the family, the boy, a friend and me and uh, yeah that was how it started so I asked the family about their experiences and um, what the special needs of a child with albinism are and um, yeah and then I slowly slowly started to interview more and more people and with this focus on solutions journalism I also tried to interview famous persons with albinism and um, I interviewed quite a lot in this country there are still some few missing like Keisha, I so very much hope to interview her one day. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, apart from that, I spoke really to many, many from uh, to mention just a few from Dr. Ali Posse, Dr. Abdallah Posse, who is now or who is for, I think, six years or something now the ambassador or even longer, the ambassador of Tanzania to Germany and other countries um, which he represents from Berlin uh, for which he represents the government of Tanzania um, but also Hadi Manara who of course is a controversial figure but um, of course when it comes to human rights of persons with albinism then a person like uh, an influencer like uh, Hadi Manara plays an important role. It is not to be underestimated because of course every kind of everybody knows him and people talk about him, but they talk about Haji Manara. They don't don't say uh, just a person with albinism or even worse albino, which nowadays we try not to use anymore because they are persons with albinism. Yeah, but Haji Manara is an in was an interesting interview partner and partner and yeah, he opened up a lot and uh, yeah, so the idea is to produce a multimedia graphic novel about um, the situation of persons with albinism and um, to also produce some um, out of this whole research smaller stories, for example, a booklet for the target group of young people in Tanzania, in Kiswahili, where we more focus on the inspiring stories in order to, yeah, to provide hope and to, to give inspiration. Ramona, where do you see us in a social and cultural sense? Where do you see us in a social and cultural sense? Wow! <laughs> Who am I to answer this question? Okay, but now that you ask, let me answer the question. Um, in a cultural sense, 
let me answer with the words that I have heard from two Tanzanian artists um, who did a project called Minyago last year in December in Berlin. Um, Isa Gabeneko and Nicolas Kelvin Mwakatobe, together with Gita Hermann and uh, Asedeva, dancers and musicians. Well, um, I think, for example, in a cultural sense, modern influences are also a danger because a lot of traditional cultural knowledge might be lost. I had the honor of talking to certain um, Wasukuma elders here in Mwanza recently and um, they still say that uh, they use traditional dancing to teaching certain educational issues to, to young people. But I think in the cities it's difficult. I think in the cities more children know bongo flavor, for example, flavor, for example, than traditional dances. Yes, um, and then in a social and cultural sense, well, Tanzania is a very special and fascinating country. It is peaceful and um, that of course is also a result of, for example, the nation building introduced by Nyerere. From how I see it, people identify as Tanzanians. They also identify as their ethnic group, but it is not as much as in maybe some of the surrounding countries. And that could be a result of this nation building and also of people being shifted here and there all over the country. People are very mobile, traveling a lot. And uh, yeah, that has an impact social and cultural sense well as a german when i talk about the social issues i think i have to talk again about colonialism and um, the impact because i think it can still be seen or also when you look at the census and last year and the numbers well for sure tanzania many tanzanians are poor not rich not all there are also rich people but a lot of people are poor and uh, I think this can be traced back also to colonialism when land was taken away, burnt down, people were killed, um, people had to do forced labor, big plantations was, were founded and um, the products from the plantations and the revenue went outside to let's say Europe. If you look at coffee, if you look at other things, cotton, that is pretty obvious. And uh, I'm no expert in mining, but I think, or I could imagine it is similar there. And probably that is why still today there are big social differences between rich and poor. And then if we, if we look at, uh, for example, gender, race and class, then from my German perspective, there are some things that are interesting. Number one is it, when it comes for gender, some women, some might even have it easier than in Europe. And now you might think, what? But yes, I mean, if you look at how families work here, usually there is always somebody who can help look after the children. Or, and now we also come to class, many families have like a maid, um, so for a woman, a middle-class woman who wants to work can do so in Tanzania. 
Whereas in Germany, she of course can also do it, but most of them can't work full time because it's simply not possible. It's still a struggle to get a, f a full day daycare um, place. But what do you do when the child gets sick? So these are things which in Tanzania are easier. And uh, people always look at me like, what are you saying? But that is how I see it. And I know it is not true for everybody. I'm just taking, talking in general. I know there are many p women who are struggling, who have nobody, who have no support. I, I just wanted to make an example for people who, for example, have my education. And me too, I'm a first generation university graduate. I'm the first in my family who went to university. So I think there I have also in common a lot with many people here, or maybe not, because in Tanzania since the 70s, many people went, um, or several people had good education. Um, of course, also in Germany. But what I just want to make say is, um, you asked me about Tanzania, but I answer about Germany also. Um, it is simply not so that everything is great there. Um, yes. Um, well, social and cultural sense. From my researches, of course, I also see that um, there are some issues which are difficult in this country when it comes to indigenous people. The word indigenous seems to be a difficult word in Tanzania, whereas in other countries it is even a value. Here it is kind of a value when it's um, in the context of tourism, but otherwise it's a bit difficult. Um, yeah, so here I'm curious how things will develop in the years to come, because of course, there are also many Tanzanians who raise the voices from these groups or for these groups. So, yes, let's wait and see. And a word of advice for freelance journalists. Well, when it comes to sharing experiences with um, freelance journalists, from my experience, I would definitely recommend to join an association. Me, I'm member of Freischreiber EV, which is our German association for freelance journalists, and that is definitely a brilliant thing. And I'm also a member of a Riff Reporter, a German cooperative of freelance journalists. So I think, um, yes, we are freelancers, but we are stronger together. And that I also mean cross-border. I'm also a member of um, an organization called Hostwriter. I'm a member of Solutions Journalism Network. I'm a member of FPAA, the Foreign Press Association Africa. So, yes, I do believe that um, we should not see each other as competition that much, but we should more see each other as um, making each other stronger, as shining a light on each other's work and to we should even, or we can, and we do um, support each other on social media um, because together we are stronger. Each and every one of us has his or her um, personal field where she or he is really an expert. And uh, yeah, so that is my advice. Um, and I think what you are doing in your organization um, is also something um, yeah, which goes into that direction. 
of course here in your podcast it is you and we all have our own project and it's important to stand up for ourselves and to be self-independent have our own things but then also to join hands with others i think that is the important thing to do and to be open for constructive criticism trying to be always willing to learn um yeah to have this open mindset and um also to to back each other when one has been let down then the other can help and listen and uh, yeah sometimes that helps and it's it's so important to know yes you are freelancer but you are not alone we are many and um we back each other Apart from all your journalist and multimedia skills, what other skills or talents that you have? Well, I love art so much. <laughs> and um, I love drawing myself. Um, at school, I, I took extra classes in arts and photography. I love to... Yeah, and both things I also now use in my work. So, um, as you know, for example, I work together with Tanzanian comics artist Marco Tibasima. We do graphic journalism um, together. Yeah, and this year we have something upcoming, probably in June, at Drawing the Times. <laughs> so, but I can't say more at the moment. <laughs> yes. But the thing is, I know that he is much more talented in drawing than me. So, <laughs> so me, I sometimes do some sketches, but um, most of the drawings come from the scratch from him. But sometimes I do a first sketch and he then, um, then he sees what I was thinking of. Then we talk and we sit together, we, we develop a drawing. Um, or we do it via Zoom when I'm not here or... Even now I'm in Mwanza, he is um, close to Dar es Salaam. So that's how we work. But I think um, in your question is more um, not work-related. Um, so what other talents do I have? I think I'm quite good in football. <laughs> I used to play football. I always loved football. I still do. Even this morning I played football with my godchild here in the garden. And then his father came and... Uh, Yeah, they, they now had another program. Um, yeah, so I do love football, playing, watching, but I, I don't know if I'm very talented in it. Probably I'm not that talented in it. Otherwise, I would have become a professional football player. <laughs> I've never been that good, um, but I like it. What skills? Um, empathy, compassion are very important for me and... Um, in my private life, but also work-wise. Um, I like baking. <laughs> I don't like cooking that much. I, I, I do it because I want to eat good and healthy food, but I really love to bake. Um, and I don't do it often enough when here in Tanzania. Yeah, I what talent skills? Maybe later I can remember more for the moment. <laughs> I'm a bit lost. Yeah, but I think one of, or I think maybe one of my talents or skills is really to um, build bridges, like, um, or when I have complex researches, that then I can select what is important. Um, like for example, 
when we do a when I do a slow journalism research for many years and then it's about how to present it to decide what is suitable for an article what is better for a multimedia piece what um, what could even become part of an exhibition um, and then especially for the graphics journalism it's super important to select the key scenes and then to decide how can we draw them Yes, and um, I also want to build bridges like um, for my readers, depending on where and who the audience is to understand. For example, sometimes people might wonder why I am so interested in the situation of persons with albinism. Of course, I am interested in it because, because of them being human beings like you and me. But also there is there are other layers to it. Um, it is not just about them. It is about you and me, because there are other topics behind what is happening to these people in various um, various African countries is happening to each and everyone everywhere in the world in another field, because it is about the combination of conspiracy myths and criminal business models. It is only about making money. There are networks around witch doctors, but also others included, that use myths to make money. They produce fake news, false information, lies, in order for them to make money. And that is nothing different than sometimes it's about make mostly it's about ma making money sometimes it's about power so if we look at what happened at capital riots in the united states or in brazil now with bolsonaro support storming the brazil government area it is nothing different if we look at um, many fake news um, spread during the corona pandemic um, it is um, so the, the situation or the crimes against persons with albinism, the killings even, um, are one example to tell how brutal and how life-threatening, how deadly the combination of conspiracy myths and criminal business models can be. So this, um, putting things into context, I think that is what... Um, yeah, maybe you can call it a talent or a skill. Um, I'm not so sure, but, but yeah. So yeah, that's something. And uh, I do love singing a lot, but I'm not as talented as I wish I'd be. So I don't sing now for you. <laughs> okay. Ramona, do you think you're an extrovert or introvert? Do I identify as an extrovert or introvert? That is a superb question. Thank you so much. The answer is it depends and it depends heavily on where I am and on in which role I am there. As a journalist, when I go to interview somebody, when I... Um, when I'm speaking in a meeting, when I'm sitting in a panel, I have to talk and I have to be extrovert. Um, during my researches, 
I have no problems also in, in talking to people. When it comes to taking photos, I have to push myself again and again to the limits when I myself am taking the photos. Um, I think I'm quite a good photographer, but I'm always grateful when a professional photographer is with me. Number one, this person has his or her full focus on the photos, but also they are braver than I am. Sometimes I am too shy to, for example, stand up in the middle of a sitting crowd and now take a photo, although this would be the photo opportunity. So there mm, I still have a way to go. But um, as a private person, it is very different. Um, I live in Freiburg and I almost don't work there, which means, um, of course, I work there from my office, from my home. Um, from my small apartment where I have my desk, but um, I try to be private apart from that. So even in Germany, when I am on work assignments, they are usually not in Freiburg. I, I did one exception in 2021 when uh, for a film festival, Freiburger Film Forum, they have a cooperation with Nairobi, Junction Nairobi. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to report about... Um, some of the films, for example, a film about colonial legacy called If Objects Could Speak. But I think, as far as I can remember, in the last 10 years, this has been the only one. Because I so very much love um, being just a private person in Freiburg. You know, I can go in the middle of the city to cafes, and I love the small cafes in the backyards, and I can sit there and know anyone recognizes me. Um, I do have very good friends there, close friends who are family. But apart from that, I am private. Of course, I do know people from my university studies. I also do know people from some interviews because four articles about, for example, colonialism. Of course, when there are experts at the University of Freiburg, I speak to them. And of course, when there is an interesting conference I attend, like last year I attended a decolonizing conference. But apart from that, I am private. And I so very much enjoy it just to take a book with me, to sit into the cafe, to enjoy a good cup of coffee or tea, and to read for three hours without anybody noticing me. In Even in Tanzania, in Mwanza here, it's difficult because so many people know me and... Um, or, I mean, I don't have to tell you that, for example, Dar es Salaam is huge on the one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, you and me, we the, at the event we met, um, Tukutane Arts Week of Nafasi Art Space, I think we met there, right, for the first time? Yeah, or at Milman City when we met another time. Those are places where, where the people... It's often that you meet people there because those are the places people go to. Or if you go to the opening of an exhibition, of course, you meet people who are interested in arts. And um, yeah, so it heavily depends on um, the situation and the place, whether I am introvert or extrovert. Now, moving on to mental health, um, I'm so happy that you are 
you're here to answer these questions because I've had a conversation with you before. So I know that you, you're a good person to really uh, go about it. Uh, Ramona, do you think people um, open up easily with their emotions? Um, and do you open up easily about yours? And I want to add also, do you have a go-to person, you know, where you can go and bury your soul? And um, when it becomes too much, what do you do? And talking about too much, if it's not too much to add, can you please share your self-care routine? Thank you. Mental health. Wow, we could talk for hours about that and it's so important to talk about it and thank you for for asking this question. Actually, it's not one question in this mental health um, (laughs) part. You've just asked me, I think, five questions. Let me try to go through them. Do you think people talk much about their emotions? Depends. I think there are some people who talk too much about their emotions and then but it's not what you mean what you and me mean now i'm now i mean these um uh, i mean the social media influencer world super uh what is the word in english um you know not the real emotions it's this ah today i'm not everything is happy and blah, blah, blah whatever that i hold to be dangerous um on the other hand I think it's getting better that people talk about emotions, but yes, I believe um, people do not yet talk enough enough about their emotions, especially when it comes to um, yeah, also illnesses such as depression. Do you talk about yours openly? Yes and no. And. Um, I do live with um, several illnesses. I have lived with them for now almost 20 years, and um, I live with an or with two autoimmune diseases, Sjogren's syndrome and um, beginning systematic lupus erythematodus (SLE). But I also do know severe depression and. Um, in my context, it's a bit difficult because for very long the autoimmune diseases have not been diagnosed. So um, when I was very exhausted, um, the advice, advice had always been to do more sport. And, I, and as I am a sports person, I played football, I did it. But in the end, for my physical um, condition, that was, of course, the worst advice. And that led to even more uh, exhaustion and burnout, depression. But um, yeah, depression is something I really care about and I hope that more, more, more research goes into it because clearly there are some cash cow um, medicine pills on the market which bring a lot of money to the companies and um, yes, there are people whom these pills help, but there are also many people, and I count among them, where the medi- these medications never help, but 
as these companies make so much profit from it, there is not much incentive to um, develop new medications. So I think every every new research should be really applauded. And um, I also think it's a great development that um, that let's say modern medicine and or not modern let's let me say the science-based medicine which is super important that um, this medicine nowadays also cooperates a lot and there are universities that are researching on it um, on a combination of also with practices from older traditions such as if we look to Asia um, to India or other countries um, the whole yoga movement or the meditation movement um, Buddhism offers amazing techniques which even have found already their way into also modern medicine and modern clinics such as um, if you look at um, um, John Kabat-Zinn and um, what he developed um, I'm searching for the English word. Sorry, I have the German word in my mind now. I will, I will text you later the word. But uh, the whole mindfulness um, approach. But for some time, I thought, um, especially in hospitals, they stopped at taking only mindfulness in. And nowadays, it is getting more diverse, such as combining techniques as mindfulness compassion self-compassion and other techniques and then i think it can get really successful because then you can like um like if you have a box in front of you and you know certain tools and then you can take the tool which you need at that moment and yes even me i even this morning when i woke up and yesterday i tried to apply some of the tools because we spoke about it yesterday and the day before um, there were a lot of unforeseen um, things happening. There was a lot of stress work-wise and uh, also other issues. And then, well, even, especially when working as a freelancer, sometimes I also forget that I know all these techniques and I feel like I'm drowning in all the matatizo, <laughs> in all the problems. But then it's good to, it's even good to have a friend who, who reminds you. In my case, that was a Tanzanian friend who, who called me and, um, yeah, we spoke about how, how he, he has been applying such techniques like, um, but in his case, it came more from the coaching side, I think, um, to, to make him stronger and to make him stand up for his own rights. And um, so I do believe that some coaching, um, practices or some psychotherapy practices or some from Buddhism and other traditions coming mindfulness and meditation practices can help us but it can also help just to spend time with family and friends to go to a bar with good music to have a good time to enjoy this being together because then yeah community can help even when you are distant from each other i mean nowadays we have all options we can do a video whatsapp call or a signal call or whatever call <laughs> and um that can help a lot let me go through um yes i do have a 
go-to person or emotional support. I think I already went into some examples, but there are several. I think one is not enough. One is super, but there, it's even good to have more um, because this one person has also the right to say, today I'm not reachable because today I need to say, like, I need time for myself and me myself I also have to learn and that is that is not where I'm talented in to say no here is the frontier and today nobody steps over this frontier this is my protected area <laughs> and nobody comes into here um, I, I am more from this side that I have this open door policy and I really try to live according to it. I try to answer every message. But sometimes it's hard and sometimes I, I think I should learn from those other people, especially here in Tanzania, who just go offline for four days. I, I'm not good in doing that and I also do not want to do it, but um, maybe sometimes it's a combination and... Um, yeah, one should put oneself first. Like, for example, this airplane example of the oxygen masks. First, help yourself and then you can help others. Okay, um, when it becomes too much, how do you release the pressure? Uh, I think in my case, it's really music, 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 listening to some music which I have listened to for decades. I always come back to certain Whitney Houston songs or playlists, Celine Dion. These are my, these, that's my, that's my music um, from my teenage years. Yes, um, and meditation and yoga helps. I have to say at the moment due to my physical condition, I haven't done yoga for a while because my autoimmune disease at the moment is a bit challenging, but I will go there again. And I really love to, to go on a yoga holiday kind of once a year. I, I was here in Tanzania in Zanzibar in Nungui, but long time ago. I should go there again. It's on my list. But I also was in other parts and in Europe and uh, even in my city. I Last year I did a, um, a meditation retreat. That was really nice. And um, before, I, before, before we stop, when it comes to meditation, it's just also like, I think everybody even if you say meditation helps, it does not yet mean that it helps other people. And uh, then there are such, so many forms of meditation. So it's just, I think it's about trying what is good for myself. Um, there are some meditations like um, concentrating on the breath or concentrating on the sound surrounding you or mindful walking. But I think the most important is this to me, to me personally like to notice the my the thoughts in my mind and um, sometimes that is even enough and then you can let go or even to accept that they are there but just to noticing them and then it, that helps me to emotionally step back a bit and yeah that that is I think pretty helpful but it's just one tool I don't think that one of these techniques is the method to heal yourself. I, I, I think that's more the people who want to make money on social media, like, I know the solution. I know the one solution for your problem. Pay me that amount, then I tell you. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy. It's a process.
I have some sort of a podcast report. So every question that I ask that I often ask different people, especially in this season, uh, it's going to come out in some sort of an article <laughs> that I'm going to call podcast report. Uh, Ramona, I really want to ask you this um, too, <laughs> because it's, it's like uh, one of the core questions that I do ask in this season. Um, as a woman, do you think men understand and modern women needs. Wow. I think there are certainly men who understand modern women needs. It's just about finding the right man. <laughs> As, as you know, I'm divorced, so maybe I'm not the success person to ask this, because in my case it did not work out. But it was not uh, this issue, it was just, um, yeah, it was another issue. Like, um, yeah, I don't go into details here, but and it's long time ago. But yes, I think um, there are men who understand modern women needs. And I do believe it is also about... Um, educating the boys at schools in how to respect women, non-violence and certain things like that. To add up, what is your take on men who are attracted to financial independent women? This is just like, it is an ongoing thing. And do you think love is enough? I think also here I'm not the role model because I decided against my career in banking. So nowadays I would not say that I am that financially <laughs> successful as a journalist. <laughs> it's just that people here in Tanzania, some always think because I'm Zungu, I'm rich, which is not true. Um, so... I think I can't comment on that. There are, and especially when it comes to here, the culture in Tanzania, I think there you are much more the expert. <laughs> and I'm curious to hear the answer from you. Um, do you think love is enough? Very good question. Hmm. Well, what is love? I think love is enough if you define it in a very broad sense that that it includes all the values needed such as honesty openness straightforwardness and so on then love is enough but if you just love each other but other um requirements are not there then love is not enough and then love can be very painful and uh, I can tell many stories about that but not in a podcast <laughs> I will tell you when we go for a coffee somewhere at Limani City or um, I don't know Soma Book Coffee cafe or whatever <laughs> when I'm in Dar somewhere okay again from a feminine type of you what do you think of committed relationships well, first of all, I do believe that committed relationships exist. 
both in Tanzania and in Germany, among my circle of friends, I have seen it. Uh, by the way, apologies in, if for the background noise. It's, um, it's on, in, on next door, so I can't uh, change it at the moment. It looks like they are cutting a tree. Um, so, um, yes, I do believe that committed relationships exist, both in Tanzania and in Germany. I, I see successful examples among my circle of friends, and that gives me hope. What do I define as a committed relationship? Um, I would say um, love as the basis, but then being committed to each other, treating each other as equal. When you, for example, have couples who are both freelancers in whatever field that they adjust their timetables according to each other's job, when they have children, that um, when the one has a job, the other one um, takes um, care of the kids, um, that there is openness and honesty in each and every sense um, that uh, they share or don't share their finances according to how they want it. Um, yeah, so I think it's a lot about freedom within um, a joint basis. Yeah, I would say that's a committed relationship. Now, Ramona, feel free, feel free to tell us about your projects here in Tanzania and beyond and how we can support you and where can my audience find you. Yes, the floor is now open. Well, um, we do have two three really big projects upcoming on which we have worked in the background so many hours um, and um, I think we will drop all three projects in the next weeks. I'm a bit hesitant what can I say now um, so let me just talk about one project which uh, which is like my baby <laughs> and I have been planning it for several years and um, now my Tanzanian colleagues kind of pushed me that we really do it or they didn't push me they motivated me. I have been dreaming of an online magazine and um, my wish has been to call it Pamoja Tunaweza so now we have set it up and uh, it's not yet online but we are working on it. Together we can because that is how we work and uh, I want to give a platform also to the voices of East African journalists and um, I feel grateful that I then have the opportunity that a Tanzanian journalist cross-checks my work as the editor, does the fact-checking, because together we are better. And uh, so, yeah, we are working on it and it will get online probably on Steady. So the German data security applies, tax system, everything. So I have the amazing task of doing the bookkeeping then. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do have a degree in business administration, so I will manage. I mean, it has to be somewhere. So uh, for the moment, that is the idea. Um, so we, we kind of have already, we have started some researches long time ago. We are in the last steps of really setting up the organizational thing. Um, and uh, yeah, where can 
people find me. We soon have one or two fundraisers. We will soon have one or two fundraisers open for Pamodia Tunaweza, but also for an exhibition. And we already have a little fundraiser open for one of my colleagues traveling, um, hopefully um, soon to accompany me in Germany on some events. So you can find me on social media on Twitter and Facebook um, via at Seitz, S-E-I-T-Z, Ramona. Um, and uh, on Instagram, Ramona. Ah, what's the word in English? This hyphen, but down, Seitz. And on Mastodon, Ramona. Uh, no, on Mastodon, at Seitz, Ramona, at mas.to. Yeah, so that's it. And um, yes, there I will share um, also the upcoming fundraisers. And of course, um, we'd be more than happy if people subscribe to our Pamodia Tunaweza magazine. It was actually a senior Tanzanian freelance journalist who advised me to, from day one, um, set everything behind the paywall. Me, I'm still a bit hesitating because... Um, I believe in open access, but she is right and we all have to survive financially and I can only pay or we can only share the income. I can only pay the people working with me if I earn money. And uh, one truth is also that when you work on human rights or cultural issues, it's not so easy to really earn money with these articles. Um, of course, I do earn money, but I don't earn enough money. So I'm also still working on other topics. I'm writer, for example, um, about a topic with relation to economics, something around Dar es Salaam at the moment. Yeah, because it's needed for the moment to cross-finance these other projects, which are like uh, my passion. But of course, we hope that people appreciate and we will offer different um, subscription bundles so there will also be some very cheap ones so that also students can afford it and that it's not more than I don't know chips my eye <laughs> and uh, but we really hope that um, people value our work and uh, yeah I mean also what you are doing here with your podcast it's all work and uh, we all need to survive so we have to push each other we also have to speak about payment and people have to understand that of course when you buy a newspaper on paper you have to buy for it uh, pay for it but it's the same work work when it's an online magazine and um, if people want quality journalism and quality journalism is essential for a country to be a democracy because it is journalism that holds power to account, then readers or listeners or television viewers must be willing to pay money for it. And um, to say that in certain countries people don't have as much money as in other countries is in my eyes no argument because people spend a lot of money also on... I don't know, having a very expensive kid's birthday in a big restaurant with a fancy-looking cake, which in the end does not taste better as if you prepare it at home. You get it, what I mean. So I really believe we have to speak about journalism and, we, and money. Journalism is work. 
And in, if you want good journalism, you have to be willing to pay for it. And uh, yeah, so let's spread the word and let's um, support each other. And once again, thank you so, so much for inviting me to your amazing podcast. And, um, you know, you've been such an in inspiration for me um, when we when we met in Dar es Salaam. Um, and when you told me about your ideas also of your um, other work projects, um, yes, and what you are doing here with your self-conference podcast, thank you so much for giving us a platform, for raising our voices. And um, yeah, we women should really lift each other up. We should support each other. And um, yeah, but we should also... Um, not discriminate against men <laughs> of course they are usually in power but i believe feminism includes men which would be another hour of talking but um, yeah so let's lift up each other let's try to get um when it comes to media and writing newsrooms let's try to make them more diverse more women more um yeah more people from all categories of gender, race and class. It's so important that also in, in newsrooms that you don't only have elite per people whose families for um, generations went to universities, but that you have people with a with another background. It is important. And um, yeah, if you want women to be interested in what a media outlet writes, you need women as journalists. <laughs> so thank you so much. And um, all the best for you. Take care. And yeah, I'm curious what projects are coming up from your side. Asante Sana. Thank you so much, Ramona, for gracing the podcast. It has been a pleasure. And um, I'm so grateful that you really, really, really are took some time from your busy schedule and agreed to do this so thank you so much um please 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 don't you forget to go again to lizanalizzi.com lizanalizzi with l-i-double-z-i-e as in lizzie so you can have nintendo garlic book yes it's a poetry collection beautiful i bird my soul and i would love for you to read you know to you know enjoy <laughs> so you can also do that on amazon.com where you can have the paperback version and you can also do that on muriakenya.com so until the next episode this has been a pleasure this is lizana kafwa from self-conference with Lisa Nakafwa.